time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. I wanted to tell you about something that I heard on an interview. They were talking about the Tour de France. Now, if you're familiar with the Tour de France, it's that big bicycling event where the best in the world at bicycling have to ride their bikes over mountains, down mountains, around curvy roads, bypass all of the crowds, and somehow win each stage, or at least get high enough in each stage that they can cumulatively get their points together and win. If you've watched it, you see that it is an excruciating uh, part of the the human existence to be in bicycling if you're going up a mountain. I mean, I can't imagine it. I've done some biking, uh, particularly mountain biking, and I recognize that whenever I go up a hill, I'm down to, you know, the granny gear, and these guys are cranking it out hour after hour, mile after mile, going straight up these mountains on the, the French side of the Alps, and it's just amazing to watch as they do that. It's, it's the, the biggest part of this endurance race is getting up those mountains. It's a painful thing when you're chugging up mile after mile after mile, and all you can see in front of you is just uphill. And so I'm amazed at these people who do this. Well, back to the interview. The interview was noting that a lot of the top bicyclers, the ones who come in at the top, have had difficult childhoods. Some have suffered abuse, but a lot of them had very difficult childhood situations. So the question was raised, does that help them with the biking? In other words, and this was what the interviewer was getting to, is it possible that the fact that they had to endure painful childhood situations made them more capable and more willing to endure the pain than all the others? This is an interesting question because it gets to the question I want to talk about today of how you build your resilience muscle. Because if this interview is right, that's what's happened with these bicyclists. Now, we have to get away from the fact that there's a doping scheme and all that. And just even if you have some foreign substance in your body to admit that climbing a mountain with a bike is an amazing feat that has to be uh, something you endure the pain. You have to be willing to go through all that pain to do that. So I've been thinking about how that fits into resilience. Resilience is what first brought me from uh, normal psychology and therapy ideas into this idea of thriving in life. I remember I was reading, you know, that's how you start your career in psychology or in therapy is is reading about the the bad things that happen of of taking um, psychology 101 and hearing all of the bad psychology problems, psychological problems people have, all the difficulties they have, all the struggles they have. And I had plenty of that. But there was something inside of me that said, yeah, but there's got to be something else to the human spirit. There's got to be something else that is not just about how we're broken. Positive psychology has been talking about this for years, about not how we're broken, but how we are strong, the places where we pull from our best self. And and it begins to balance out that viewpoint. I remember when I was a student reading about the resilience studies. The first ones came out because not because they were trying to study resilience, but because they were looking at what happens when you're surrounded by difficult situations. The studies were the psychological impact of domestic violence and substance abuse and addiction uh, and young um, pregnancies on the island of Hawaii. 
Now, the researchers chose Hawaii, and this was back in the 50s because it was so isolated. It's not like today where people travel from around the world to, to go enjoy the beaches. At that point, it was hard to get to Hawaii. It was a struggle to be there. And so for the most part, it was a closed culture. And that was why they wanted to do their research there, to go in and see a closed culture, what happens in a very closed culture. Now, it was post-World War II, and so the Western influences had come in, and so there was alcohol and lots of other problems had developed. A lot of domestic violence was on the island. A lot of alcoholism and a lot of other uh, issues were in the island because there were so few support structures. And so the researchers were asking a question, what happens when you're exposed to domestic violence and when you're exposed to addiction issues and when you're exposed to early pregnancies. And surprise, they discovered that that makes life pretty difficult. But there were some researchers who started noticing the anomalies. They started noticing the people who were going through the exact same situations but weren't showing the problems down the road. They weren't showing the psychological impact of that. They were doing just fine in life. They were, as I would put it, thriving in life. They were going around doing their own thing and making sure that life was what they wanted it to be. Some of these researchers asked the better question than what happens when you're surrounded by that. They wanted to know, how did you avoid being impacted by that negative influence? What was it that allowed you to be resilient in the face of those struggles? Resilience is the capacity of bouncing back from a bad situation. You think about resilience. For instance, I have some trees in our front lawn that are uh, river willows. And the resilience of a river willow is because it bends with the wind. And when the wind stops, it comes back up. It's the resilience of the plant. And so many of us are looking for the ways that we can be more resilient when life bends us over, when life pushes us down, of how we get back to normal. Now, part of my research as I was writing the Thrive Principles is not just how you kind of get back to zero, but how you exceed that. If you think about this whole idea of resilience, it's based in this idea of instead of going from crisis to chronic, in other words, something happens bad in your life and you have a chronic issue, but from crisis to normal, how do you just get back to normal? For me, thriving is the next step of how do you grow beyond normal because of what happens to you. And some people have referred to that as post-traumatic growth. I would think of it more as struggle into growth. The fact is that this is built into our DNA as humans. If you think about that, this is how we grow in life in everything. If I want to make my biceps a bit bigger... I hold something and lift it with my bicep over and over, stressing that bicep so that that bicep realizes it's got to be stronger in order to do that. If I want to run faster, I go out and I keep pushing myself to run faster. That's how our body is built. Build a muscle by stressing it and it will grow more. Now, there is the irony of that, that if we don't do anything with the muscle, in other words, if we don't challenge a muscle, it grows weak. We lose the capacity of strength in that muscle because it's a use it or lose it kind of proposition in our body. And I kind of think that it might be that way with our psychology, that we actually need some challenges in life to keep us growing psychologically, to keep us strong, to keep us resilient. 
And so today I want to suggest that there are five ways that we can build our resilience muscle no matter what's going on in our life. And let's face it, today in our culture, today's life, whatever's going on, you're surrounded by opportunities for growth that are based in challenges. Every day we all face multiple challenges. When you get up in the morning, you may be having to choose between one crisis and another. You may be having to watch the news with all of the scary things, as I talked about last week. And Sometimes we go to work and we have challenge after challenge, and then we have the phone calls that are catches from behind that surprise us with a crisis, or we're driving down and, and something happens to our car, or something happens to someone close to us, somebody is sick, or we're sick. It's just around us all the time, which means that we are constantly given opportunities to practice our resilience muscle, to strengthen our resist, resilience muscle. Now, here's the interesting thing, back to that muscle idea. If you do a little bit of exercise, you maintain your strength so that when the big things come, you can take on that with not so much effort. But if you haven't done it for a while, you can be pretty sore from those challenges. Sometimes we have problems because we we haven't been practicing. One of the reasons that people don't practice resilience is because they think that if something bad is happening, it shouldn't be happening. But there's something wrong with that, and so they don't want to have to, to deal with it, to figure out how to work against it, because it shouldn't have happened in the first place. So let's talk about these five ways that we can grow our resilience muscle. The first one is to refuse to be defined by the crisis. Refuse to be defined. That doesn't mean you pretend it never happened, but you probably know people that the first thing they tell you is some bad event in their life. You know, something that they have survived or something that happened to them, and that marks who they are. And in some ways, that might be because they learned some ways of being resilient in that. But in other ways, it means that they are anchoring themselves to that identification. Whenever we allow ourselves to be reduced to a crisis, reduced to a struggle, we're captured by that crisis. We're captured by the struggle And so one of the things that I always talk about is trying to not be defined by the crisis. Now, again, I'm not saying you pretend it never happened. You learn the lessons. You just don't allow yourself to always be defined by that. It doesn't have to be the first title. It doesn't have to be the headline on your T-shirt. It doesn't have to be on your calling card or when you shake hands with somebody to let them know what's happened to you on the crisis side of things, but to recognize that those are the places where you, you gain your strength. So number one, refuse to be defined by the crisis. Number two, look for your inner resources. And this is one of the things that a lot of times people forget to start with. What are the other situations that you've had to deal with this? Sometimes when I talk with people, I try to help remind them of similar things that they faced in the past. You know, sometimes they'll tell me they, they can't quite figure out how to do something. And I remind them of times when they figured it out in the past and we start talking about the strategies they used then. We all have some inner strategies and some inner strengths that we can draw upon, but we have to take our time to ask, what do I already have in me? What do I already know that will help me deal with this situation? So look for those inner resources first. Number three, Always see a struggle as an opportunity for growth. 
Carol Dweck talks about the fact that there are fixed mindsets and growth mindsets. A fixed mindset is somebody who believes that the way they are is the way they are. It's just how they're born, how they're going to be. And sometimes we talk about this in terms of kids. You know, we talk about kids who are natural athletes or, you know, naturally good at math or naturally good at reading. And what that does is it denies the fact that they have worked at those skills. And it's kind of like when we look at those people who in the movies and we say, oh, they're an overnight success. They were so good in that movie. Uh, they just must be a natural missing the fact that they, for years, had been practicing their art somewhere else in small plays and in, in little bit parts. And suddenly, they're ready to go for the big things because they've built up their skills along the way. So the fixed mindset is seeing that you're just that. That's just who you are. Nothing's going to change that. A growth mindset is realizing that we all can become better at whatever we set our minds out to be. That doesn't mean we can be the best. I'm never going to be an NBA superstar. I'm never going to play in the NFL. I'm never going to be a pro baseball player. Never going to be great on stage as a musician. But I could get better at those things. If I wanted to, to play basketball better, I could practice and get better at it and probably could get a little bit better at throwing a football and probably could do a little bit better at throwing a baseball or playing a guitar or anything else. I could get better at it because those are skills that you can build on. You can learn those skills along the way. So when we have a growth mindset, then we're looking for the ways to grow better at the things that we want to grow better at. Well, the interesting thing about this is that Carol discovered and could distinguish between these two groups by bringing in uh, young adolescent kids, young kids, and put a puzzle in front of them. And she realized that there were two groups when they were faced with the puzzle. One group would come in and they would look at the puzzle a little bit and they'd fiddle with it a little bit and they would say, well, I don't want to do this. Or they would say, oh, I don't like puzzles. Or they would say, I can't figure this out. Or they would say, it's impossible. It can't be done. In other words, they would give up on it. But there was another group that would come in and pick up the puzzle, rub their hands together and say, I love a good puzzle. In other words, I love a good challenge. And because they did that, they could work on the puzzle because now they were in love with the process. They were in love with trying to tackle it. They didn't come in and say, I know I can do that. I'll figure it out. Instead, they said, I love a good challenge. I love that puzzle. So we can take that into our everyday life by deciding that every struggle that comes our way is an opportunity for growth. One of the big things I learned years ago when I was a chaplain on the oncology floor at the hospital was how many people told me the gift of their illness. All of them said, you know, if they could, could choose, they would choose not to have the illness. But since they've had it, they've decided that it had something in there for them to grow. Now, I can tell you for my own self, for having been faced with a, a, a pretty bad illness some years ago, I have the same feeling. I call it me being on bonus time. More than a decade ago, I had a doctor say, this will leave you disabled and will likely eventually kill you. So far, that doesn't ha hasn't happened. And so far, I'm pretty well recovered. But after that, that scare, I realized that I was in a bonus time, that from now on, that I need to be serious about how I spent my time. And so while I would never want to go through that again, the fact that I went through it, I see it as a wake-up call. I see it as my opportunity for doing some things differently, of 
getting into better shape, of eating better, of taking care of my body better, of my stress better, of sleeping better, of being in better relationships with people, of doing things that were important to me. So in that process, I realized that there was a gift of the struggle, a gift of the challenge. Would I want to do it again? Absolutely not. But do I treasure the fact that I took something out of it? Absolutely. And so we can always decide that when we have a struggle, that there's an opportunity for growth. And so when struggles come our way, to ask the question, how can I grow from this? And to ask the question after the struggle, how did I grow from that? What are the skills that I've learned from that? Where am I stronger because of that? So see every struggle as an opportunity for growth. Number four, seek out support. The way we move through a crisis is by surrounding ourselves with people who will support us. Not the people who say, oh, bless your heart, you poor person. But people who say, I'm proud of you. Keep moving. Some people might even have been there before. I've been there. I've seen this. Here's how you can get through this the best. Here's how you deal with this. Here's how you move through that. Remember that no matter what you have, somebody has been there and been through it successfully. Seek those people out. Remember that there are allies who want to be there to support you, to take care of things that maybe in those difficult times you need some help with, to be able to reach out and support. Because one of the big pieces of that resilient research was that those who are most resilient are those who have a support system in place that will help them through the difficult times. Seek out support, embrace support, admit that sometimes we all need a little support, and make sure you take advantage of those around you who want to, who want to love on you, who want to be a part of your, your success, who want to be a part of your struggle, who want to be a part of walking with you through those dark times. And finally, number five, refuse to play the fair tape. The fair tape is the one where you say, this just isn't fair. One of the things that happens when we, we, we wait for fair, when we wait for life to finally get to that fair point, is that we get stuck. Because you keep thinking, this just isn't fair, and so I shouldn't have to deal with this. Or this just isn't fair, so I'll wait for it to even out. Or this just isn't fair, it'll change, it has to change. The fact is, as I've talked in, in all of my books, life isn't fair. But that's not, the, that's not even the question. Life isn't fair, but for all of us who are uh, alive, we've already been on the unfair side. We, it's, it's been to the best. We, we've won the game by even being here. The chances of any individual of us being here are so astronomically small that we've already won the life game. We're already here. More than that, if you're able to listen to the podcast, if you're able to get to my website or, or listen to it through iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else, you are in the upper part of the world population. Not everybody has those opportunities. We've already won the game. We've already been the lucky ones. So no, life isn't fair, but you are in the winning part of that. The other thing that happens when we play the life isn't fair is that we keep playing the victim role. When we say life isn't fair, I haven't gotten my fair shake, it keeps us stuck in victim role, and that keeps us anchored to the tough times. That keeps us from learning from the resilient struggles that we have where we could strengthen those muscles. So as you're building your resilience muscle, remember that the struggle always has potential for you. Refuse to be defined by that crisis, that struggle point. 
Look for your inner resources. See the struggle as your opportunity for growth. Seek out people who could support you in the process and refuse to be stuck in that fair tape. When you do those things, you will find that the struggles allow you to build that resilient muscle, and then you're ready for the next struggle because you know what? That's what life's about. There's a struggle, and then we find our way through it, and we learn from it, and we grow from it. We have a little time to enjoy that, and then we face the next struggle. If you would like more help with how to thrive, I would love it if you would grab my book, Thrive Principles. I'm pretty proud of it. I think it's a helpful way of understanding that there are some strategies you can put into your life that will help you to thrive no matter what life is throwing at you. One thing you can do to get that book is to visit your local bookstore. It should be there. If it's not there, they can order it from you. You can also find it from your online favorite place online to buy a book. You can also learn more at thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com. Once you're there, you'll also be able to link into my other resources, but that's a great place to find more about how you can uh, thrive no matter what life throws your way. I even have a free chapter there just to get you started on it. Either way, if that's of interest to you, please grab Thrive Principles. I would love it if I could share some resources on how you can thrive more in your life. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your resilience muscle and learn to thrive more in your own life. listening to the Thriveology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thriveology.com or at thriveologymagazine.com. Remember that Thriveology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.